Will you pray with me? We pray, O oh Lord, that you will come near to us now, where we are seeking your kingdom. We want to know its fullness, and we want to know our part in that. We want to hear your word. So speak the word that we need most to hear, and by your grace, help us to respond in faith. Through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did you hear the out clause at the beginning of uh, the gospel lesson this morning? As Pastor Jerry began to read, I thought, he's an attorney. He would have loved this uh, in, the, in the day. Because as Jesus was teaching the people who were standing in that level place with him, as Luke gives to us his understanding of those teachings that we find in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount and here in Luke in the Sermon on the Level Place, he gives, gave us last week the blessings and the woes of those who are wealthy and those who are poor and all of the other things, those who weep now and those who laugh now and those who have fixed their fulfillment to the things of this earth have already received everything they're going to get, but those who still have the hope of Christ, the hope of the kingdom, they will be filled they will be joyful. They will be happy. And then he says at the start of this week's lesson, and I say to you who listen, you should love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other. I say to those who listen. So if you want to get out from underneath these teachings, all you have to do is not listen to God, not listen to Christ. Now, that seems easy enough. People do that all the time. Some nagging thought, I need to fix my life. I need to get a little better, and I just turn the radio up a little bit and push the gas pedal down a little further. Or I go find some buddies to have beers and watch a game with. I don't personally do that, but I know people who do. Oh, let's take a, take a weekend and go off somewhere and just... We'll catch some fish, or we'll take our off-road vehicles out into the desert and we'll drive around, or we'll do something else. People find all kinds of ways to distract themselves from hearing God. And all you have to do to not fall under the teachings of Jesus in this week's lesson is to not listen to him. People make a whole career of chasing away from God running away, trying to find a place to hide, find some place where it won't apply to them. Even the church, even the church has fallen into the kind of trap of a saying that Jesus is up in heaven and God's up in heaven and I'm living out my life here and at the end of it we'll stand in front of the pearly gates and and, and we'll sort it all out then and see if I was a good person or a bad person, as if being a good person or a bad person had anything to do with the grace of God and the kingdom of God. What did Paul say to the Romans? For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love for us. And to be included in that love, we have to set aside any notions that this life we live in this world is for being good or being bad and, de and deciding who gets in and who gets out based on our actions. If there are actions that the church is going to take, 
Jesus says. Let them be motivated by love and not the fear of God. For I've come to tell you that our God is a God of love. That Jesus is Abba. My Abba, he said, loves you and is merciful and is patient and forgiving. And when Jesus was saying this, he wasn't creating a grand departure from his faith. For the Psalms continually insist that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We serve a God of love. Now, if you want to be participants in that loving kingdom, come, come along, says Jesus. But if you don't, then just count yourself among those who don't listen. Are you ready to listen? Because there are three things, really, that Jesus has to say in the teaching for this morning. Number one, in the kingdom of God, we never, ever practice retribution. Ever. This is a path of freedom for us. Because when we let go of the desire to practice retribution upon those who abuse us, we free ourselves to no longer carry the burden of the injury done to us for the rest of our lives. We can just set it down. That happened and walk away. We can do this. And to people who have been victims of other people, people who have been victimized by life, Jesus' word is you are not disqualified from participating in the kingdom of God. We don't practice retribution. We practice the art of blessing always. God's spirit pours into us an inexhaustible source of love. There is always love. The choir just sang, in this very room, there is almost enough love for all of us. Is that what they said? In this very room, there's about half of what we need here. Is that what they said? In this room, there's just enough. We just barely got across the finish line. No, in this very room, there is quite enough love for all of us. There's more than enough love for all of us. There's everything that we need. I can show love to the world for the rest of my life and I will never exhaust the source of God's love inside of me. We never practice retribution because we are meant to be disciples of Jesus. Now I know, I know, I know what many pastors will say what many churches will say, what many Christians will say, well, that's Jesus. Jesus is Jesus, but we can't be like Jesus. And my response to that comment is, what in the world was the whole point of the incarnation in the first place if it wasn't to show us what is possible for us? Matthew Fox, that great and mystical Christian thinker, a few years ago in the coming of the cosmic Christ, he sat down with some people at the, he was giving a workshop kind of previewing his book at the Jesus Seminar. And he was talking with people about the, the incessant search by, by uh, scientists and anthropologists to look for the missing link. You know, the idea of the missing link that we are somehow descended from apes 
And that if we go back far enough, we're going to find that one ape who was just enough human and just enough ape to say, this is the bridge. This is where we crossed over from being apes to being sentient human beings. And we've been looking all over the world for the Piltdown Man or for Lucy or whoever else. Who is the missing link? And Matthew Fox suddenly cried out, Jesus is the missing link. We are the apes. And the kingdom of God is God's idea for what we can be. And Jesus and his incarnation was sent to the earth to show us the bridge between what we are and where we're going. So that any church who says Jesus is this sort of uber special man who can never be imitated, who can never be followed, who's perfect but we're not, and that lets us off the hook, anybody who says that is is not fully understanding the point of the incarnation. The point is that we are meant to follow Jesus and to be like Jesus and to practice the way of Jesus in everything he taught and in everything he said, we are meant to take on that burden. If we're going to be his disciples, his ambassadors, his apostles in the world, then we have to be like Jesus in every way. And yes, God expects that of us. For us to enter the kingdom in its fullness, we have to fulfill all the commands of God. And that means, first and foremost, that we do not retaliate and we do not practice retribution. Now, if that's too big an ask, then all you have to do is not listen to Jesus. <laughs> the second thing he tells us is when we are doing good in the world, not to play favorites. Don't seek out the ones who are your favorites and then only look to them. That our love that we show to others, it's one thing to hold back from retaliation or retribution, but when we are ready to pour out love and show love toward all people, that we have to love all people indiscriminately and that we don't play favorites with who we give our time to or our treasure or our resources. And if somebody needs something from us, we just give it to them because it belongs to God and not to us. I remember Fred Craddock, the great preacher uh, uh, of the last century, saying at a workshop one time, whenever I meet somebody on the street and they ask for me for money, I always open my wallet and if there's money there, I give it to them. Always. And I never qualify it and I never ask why. Because the point is that the money in my wallet belongs to God, not to me. And so I need to do God's work with it. And afterward, I heard somebody come up to him and said, but what if you do that every day? You're not going to have any money left over. You're not going to have anything left over. You're not going to have a single thing. And he said, I will have the church. And if the church finds me in need, then somebody in the church will open their wallet and share with me. This is the kingdom of God. That when our enemies press in upon us, we do not retaliate and we do not practice retribution. But more than this, whenever we see those around us who are in need, we do not measure their worthiness. We do not measure whether they have been moral or upright. We simply look to the need and we fix the need, as Jesus would have done. When they were hungry, he fed them. 
When they were lame and hurt and crippled, he healed them. And when they were burdened by their sin, he forgave them. And so must we. Don't practice retribution. And don't prejudge who you will love or who you will care for. The third part follows right on the heels of the second. Don't judge anyone eternally either. That's God's business, who is in and who is out. Our business is to not sit in judgment upon others. We have been forgiven by God, and so we must liberally forgive others. How do we do that? How do we do that? It's hard sometimes. Be merciful, he said. How do we do that? Did you see? Did you see what they've done to me? I got so angry with somebody once upon a time, I called my best friend from seminary and I was talking with him for a while and we talked about all the things that I could do. I could maneuver this way or maneuver this way. I just needed to find a way to, to sort of have God's judgment land on this person and I was so exasperated because I was out of options. He kept boxing me in with the love of Christ until finally I just said out of exasperation, God, damn her. And my friend said, he will, if that's what is appropriate. But you have to give God time and space to do God's work. Don't judge. Nobody in heaven has died to make us prosecutor, judge, and executioner. That's not our job. It's not our work. It's not what we do. What is the kingdom of God about? Jesus said it's about <clears throat> forgiving others, turning other cheeks, praying for those who hurt us, blessing our, our abusers. It's about lending and not ever even expecting to get it back again. And those of us who've raised children know what that's all about. Now, Go and show that same love to all of God's children, all of them. Because if you only do the things that benefit you, then you're no better than a heathen. If you only forgive those who first forgive you, then you're no better than any sinner. If you only lend to those who you know are gonna repay, then you're no better than any other sinner. You're, you're not standing apart from the world and you're not being particularly Christian. Now, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Even pray for the abuser and forgive and be generous and treat others the way you want to be treated and don't judge anyone. Who lives like that? One of my colleagues in this conference she has a husband who is very, very practical all the time and it makes it very hard for he, her to be a pastor sometimes because he will come out and say something like, well, you know, the problem with the church today is that nobody lives like Jesus, not even the pastors. And he's got a point. Nobody lives like Jesus. 
On another occasion, he said, the problem with the church today is that we keep serving broccoli to the world, and the world wants ice cream. And there's plenty of places to get ice cream, but we keep serving up the broccoli over and over again. And he has a point. He has a point. Makes it very hard for her to be a pastor sometimes as he keeps making his point. But I heard in his words a longing. The same longing I read in the words of G.K. Chesterton who once said the The problem with Christianity is not that it's been tried and found wanting, it's that it's hardly ever been tried in the first place. We learned long ago that we would not come under the judgment of God if we took the escape clause at the beginning of the sermon. I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Have we been a listening church? Are we treating the world as Jesus treats the world? Have I really been indiscriminate in my love of others? Have I really been as generous with God's blessing as he calls me to be? Hmm. Right at the time in my prayers that I feel the most like Simon Peter and I cry out, God, Who can live like that? It's impossible. Right then, I hear the Holy Spirit whisper one more time, yeah, but what is impossible for humans is possible for God. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me not only to hear the words of Jesus, but to listen so that as I walk out from here, I can make present to the world the very love and grace of Christ himself. Amen.